I was an engineer and in 2008 lost my job due to the economic collapse. Jobs were scarce. I didn't know where to turn to get help updating my resume. Online services and coaches charge hundreds, even thousands of dollars. I took matters into my own hands and learned how to craft interview-winning resumes. Shortly later, I landed a job with a Fortune 500 company. I've helped many achieve similar success. Now I share my tips to create interview-winning resumes, interviewing excellence, and high-performance growth strategies on my podcast, Career Growth Made Easy. Hey there, it's Craig Ansell, your host of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. Welcome back. We're actually doing How to Communicate Effectively, Part 2. So if you haven't listened to the first part, go back to Episode 111 and tune in. That way, there'll be good continuity for you. If you're ready, let's go ahead and finish up with Episode 112, How to Communicate Effectively, Part 2. I had mentioned back in the prior episode about this episode stemmed from having a conversation with one of my coaching students and the techno speak on websites, the technical speak and wording on websites. That led to some confusion, even the reference to some acronyms that really weren't defined or supported well. So that's just a warning to you. When you use acronyms, whether it's in daily discussions or in presentations or reports, make sure they're well-defined and they match the application for the context in which you're talking about. I also mentioned weasel words. These are statements like some people say, study show, evidence suggests. If you're not careful, it can weaken your authority by creating a lack of trust. Go back and listen to the first part of the show if you'd like to learn more about that. And then generally speaking about effective communication, we talked about the old saying, there's two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. I think we all can learn a lesson from that and work on applying that in our daily lives. And finally, another old saying that I referenced, don't talk at them, talk to them. That's about knowing your audience and understanding them so that they use that you use the right level of language, the right grade level of language, if you will. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in this part two. To move on now, we need to have confidence in ourselves. But how do you get that confidence so that you communicate more effectively, more genuinely, and connect with your audience, even if it's audience of one? Well, I believe you can gain confidence in yourself through gaining experience. By gaining experience in your industry, in your specialty, you also gain a working knowledge. You put yourself in a variety of positions, in a variety of atmospheres, and in a variety of situations that help you gain and gather knowledge and data. Over time, this slowly becomes wisdom. Wisdom, I would say, is an inherent knowledge, something that you've absorbed, processed over the years, and that helps you navigate the waters of your job more effectively, more carefully. You might use this wisdom with your confidence to know when to speak and when not to. 
know when to engage and when not. Meaning, when others are speaking, that doesn't always mean that it justifies a response. Now, that's easy, listening on my podcast, to absorb that. But what happens when you're in the real-world situation? Do you or someone you know always chime in to conversations even when that particular content or topic isn't your specialty or your area of expertise? If so, that could come and stem from internal insecurity or immaturity. Insecurity can come from the fact that you may not have that intimate, detailed knowledge or experience that others do in your room, in your team, or in the group that you're working with, or representing, reporting, or explaining to a customer about. It was kind of a wordy sentence. But the insecurity really comes from not feeling confident in self that you belong in that environment and that you are not making a strong contribution. So you butt in sometimes and try to get your foot in the door, right? Jam it in there, get a word in edgewise. Sometimes we can improve our areas of insecurity, our areas of weakness, by actually doing or engaging in the opposite approach. Rather than being the one that always has to speak up, always has to give your input, your two cents, what if you were to start cutting down on the amount of communication that you offer? Reserve it for only times when there's something valuable to say, something that adds value to the conversation, and something that's going to improve the conversation. It sounds funny, but as you start to work with others in management and even upper management, you might start to notice this technique. Especially the higher up you go up the, the management pyramid, from supervisor to manager to director to vice president, etc., you may notice those people are more quiet by nature. They're in their roles for reasons, but better yet, notice they only speak either when addressed or when they have something to contribute. Also, how long do they speak when they mention something? Unless they're giving a presentation or a report, or specifically the focus of a conversation, they generally don't speak much at all. Then the lower down you go in the management chain, you'll find others giving more detailed reports, more detailed um, discussions. Sometimes they get a little wordy. Part of communicating effectively is knowing when to speak and when not to, what words to choose, and what words to leave out. Now, I believe in general, when we communicate, we should drop the grade level of our speech, the grade level of our conversation to match that of our audience. I jokingly use a phrase and say, dumb it down for me. When I'm talking to others that are in technical roles, even engineers, sometimes they have a greater level of experience than I do. Even though I'm seasoned in electrical design as well as software and firmware, there are times where, quite frankly, I'm not certain what the other engineers are speaking about. I ask them, hey, dumb it down for me. Although I'm an engineer, I'm not familiar with your area of expertise. Or can you explain to me what this terminology means or this acronym? Sometimes there's simply too technical talk, too complex a talk for others to understand, for them to digest and process. I share this because it's happened to me, both as the receiver and as the host speaking. 
We know what we want to say, but how well does our recipient understand what we're about to communicate? How well will they understand it? Now, again, this is regardless whether it's text, email, reports, phone calls, in-person, virtual meetings, with audio and video, or audio only. Thinking about the level of your speech, the level with which you're going to speak, the grade level, if you will. How complex will the sentences be? How complex will the wording be? Is it necessary? Do we sometimes overcomplicate things to sound like we are more educated than we are or that we're the uh, leader in an organization when it's unnecessary? We're just trying to communicate out a message and we don't need all that technical, complex spoken word. One thing I mentioned in episode 111 that I promised I would speak about today is talking about reading body language. Whether you're one-on-one or in a virtual meeting with video, body language can be critical to understanding how well people are absorbing and understanding your content. Many times, more is understood by reading body language than the actual words that are spoken. I think it's like 80 or 90% communication is body language, and the remainder is the verbal, the spoken word. For the spoken word, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, the delivery, It's the volume. It's the emphasis on certain words. It's your word choice. And what I mean by word choice, it's the words you choose to use in a conversation and the words you choose not to use. By the way, that's where something really handy comes in, something that I call powerfully placed pauses. And I'll give a reference to that in the show notes. I have a prior episode that goes into great detail. It's episode 51 called Powerfully Placed Pauses. When you learn to regulate your communication patterns, your speech, your pauses, the duration of your sentences, and your structure of your conversation, you'll have the ability to understand conversations in much greater detail, more intimately, And believe it or not, you'll be able to get your communication, your points across faster with less words. Body language now. Are people making eye contact in the camera when you're virtually meeting or in person? Are they fidgeting with their hands? Are they busy, distracted by other electronics and smart devices? Or do they seem to be engaged? Are there certain words or certain parts of your conversation or your story that when you say them, you read their language and see that they seem to get agitated, maybe their eyes roll, do they look like confusion is set in? These would be ideal times when reading body language to pause and ask your audience, even if it's one-on-one, in-person or again virtually, do they have any questions or was there anything that you could clarify before moving on? Depending on the level of comfort with your audience, you can call out people casually, respectfully, by name. Say, hey, Craig, just wanted to make sure you understood that that last part because it was a little complex. Hey, Craig, I was working on my delivery, and I just wondered, how do you feel it went, and what's your general take on what I just shared? Kind of the summary. You'll start to learn the right words to use with certain people and certain audience members, again, peers, team members, management, what have you. And you'll find ways that you can improve your communication styles. 
But one big thing that we do deal with today is cell phone calls and virtual meetings, which mean audio only. And that's a big part of what we need to talk about with communication, especially communicating effectively. I already talked about the grade level of our conversation. Since you don't have the visual tools that we talked about, body language, posture, eye contact, um, their appearance, their facial appearance, and expressions, you're going to have to work off of audio only. The speed, the rate of speech is important, not only for you when speaking, as well as when they're responding. Generally, when we're excited or if we get nervous, we speak faster. That makes it more difficult for the recipient to understand the message. Now, if we're in front of an audience, again, more difficult situation. Even if it's a virtual audience with audio only, just seeing all those initials or all those names up or those uh, emoticons, hey, you still know there's a number of people listening. That's why it's good to practice if you're giving speeches or reports to try to walk through the words in your mind because your, your, your memory will serve you well by having a template of what you've said before in your practice and it will be easier to recall when you want to communicate to a group. You'll communicate more effectively. Now, I talked earlier about knowing your audience. There are still tips that you can use to enhance your communication styles. We talked about the two ears, one mouth. This definitely applies because we need to listen and listen carefully when others are speaking. Don't just hear their questions or their feedback, but dive into, delve into their word choice for responses. It can really help you better understand the level of your communication effectivity. For example, If emotional words are used in responses to something you've stated, that could be an area that shows that there's an area of concern or an area that you might need to readdress. One thing that a famous author and speaker once said, which applies well for today's conversation, we don't listen with the intent to understand. We listen with the intent to respond. So I ask you, with your next conversation, When you listen, how well will you do it? Will you be able to pause after they finish speaking? Process what they said, even if it's just a portion of the conversation, and connect back with them on that topic. Say they brought up three points, but you can only remember one of them that touched you and it was kind of like a trigger for you. I want to know more about that, or I had a similar experience with that. That would be ideal to engage back with them. They will feel so honored that you heard them and that something they're providing for information actually triggered you to want to know more. So try working on that way. If you notice, very seasoned speakers, especially those that give talks, possibly TED Talks, they have great stories. They regulate their rhythm, their tempo. They regulate the uh, emotional feel of the conversation. During the talk, they actually tell a story. You can tell stories through your reports, through your discussions with others. No, it doesn't have to be overly dramatic when you have your next conversation. But remember, with all the noise out there, you need something to cut through it. And by trying any of the tips or 
advice that we've talked about on these last two episodes. It can help you improve your verbal conversations as well as written, especially the hearing part. How well do we listen and process before you respond? I hope part two, how to communicate effectively, has given you some more ammunition to improve your journey on your career growth made easy trip. I'm always available for comments or feedback. If there's anything you seek clarification on, please reach out to me. You can also touch base directly. Craig at craigansell.com is my email. And I look forward to hearing from you. Should you have some questions or future content that you'd be interested in having discussed on this show. Thank you again so much for being a very valuable listener. And during the summer, I ask you to take an action. Please, if you're enjoying this show, share it with others on social media, your email, word on the street, friends, family members, coworkers. We are looking to grow as broadly as we can during the summertime so that we engage in the fall. Not only do we have additional students, but also additional listeners. God bless you. Have a wonderful week ahead. We'll catch up next week.